You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. So good to see all of you. I, you know, I know I say this every week, but I'm really excited about the message for today. We're going to have an awesome time in the Word. Amen. Did you come in ready to receive today? Amen. I know you did. If you came in and you didn't receive a handout, uh, just hold your hand up and Linda's got a few of them back there in the back. We can get one to you. I want you to be able to take some notes today, write some things down, and if you need a pen, we'll get you a pen. And, uh, you know, we're... We're uh, ready to equip you for everything you need in order to hear and receive the word today. And so uh, I'm just honored that you're here. And uh, I want to encourage you uh, for uh, if you missed any of this series called Back to the Basics, you know, when you get a chance, go back and and, uh, catch up and listen to anything that might be that you might have missed because we have covered a lot of great word and and. I know it'll be meaningful to you. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, let's, I tell you, let's just uh, have a word of prayer before we get into the word. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your written word. I thank you that the word is alive. The book of Hebrews says that your word is alive and sharper than a two-edged sword. And Father, I thank you that we can feed upon your word. We can receive it. Jesus said it is like bread. And that, Father, we can sustain our lives on your word today. And so, Lord, we approach it. We believe to receive from it. I thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is the teacher. Jesus said that he would lead and guide us into all truth. And so we expect to be taught today. Father, I pray that each ear will be an anointed hearing ear. Each heart will be a receptive heart. I thank you, Father, that my thoughts will be your thoughts and my words will be your words. And we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, this is week number eight of our series called Back to the Basics. And uh, let's look at our foundation scripture while I grab this, my little handy-dandy clicker. And uh, let's look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. And this has been our foundation scripture for this series. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. And it says this, this is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. And again, I know I've emphasized this every week, but pay attention to what he's saying there, that it's important that we give our attention to the truths that we have already heard. Now, it's great to hear the word and hear new messages, uh, you know, about topics we've heard before. But, you know, uh, revelation is a progressive thing. However, if we don't pay attention to what we've already heard, that the opportunity is there, as this translation says, for us to drift off course. Another translation, I believe it's the King James, will says that we have a tendency to let these things slip. So what we have to do is we have to keep our attention on what we've already heard so that We don't let those things slip and that they stay a part of our lives. So we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about 
love and walking in love. We started out in this series talking about faith and how to pray and believe God. And all of those things are basic truths that we need to be aware of. But the scripture also says in Galatians chapter 5 that, it, that we need to uh, pay attention to this thing called love because faith works by love. I believe that's Galatians 6, 5 rather. And so we need to give love our attention. Another scripture uh, in the, the word of God says that, that when we live in love and we walk in love, that we are, well, I'll tell you what, we'll just get into this and, and uh, let's just review for just a second. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. This is what I, I started to say and I thought, well, no, let's just read the scripture. Here we go, John chapter 13. Now, if you're reading in your paper Bible, this the ink on this page is going to be red because it, why? Jesus said it, right. So if Jesus said it, we need to pay attention to it. So he said this in verse 34, a new suggestion I give to you, that a new helpful hint I give to you. Okay, no. He said a new, say it with me, commandment. So this isn't a suggestion. This isn't uh, something that he uh, advises us to do just because it'll make our lives easier and better. No, when the, the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, says this is a commandment, then if Jesus is Lord of your life, then we need to pay attention to this because we need to decide that we're going to obey it. All right, so a new commandment I give to you. So what is that commandment, Jesus? That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35 says this, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So as I mentioned to you last week, you know, being able to pray great prayers is important. Being able to stand in faith is important. Being able to, uh, you know, be a great intercessor to to have great faith. All of those things are important, but I want you to understand Jesus did not say any of those things will tell people or let people know that we are his disciples. The way that people will know that we are disciples of Christ is the way that we love one another. Now, again, I cannot emphasize this enough, and that is this. Jesus gave us this commandment to love one another. So do like me and just, you know, and maybe you have to do this on a daily thing, a daily basis, but just say, Lord, I choose to obey the commandment. I'm going to do what you said to do. Okay. So again, they will know that we are his disciples if we love one another. Now, I want to do something and I want to show you a truth from the word of God that hopefully will encourage you because I don't know about you, but I occasionally have to deal with people that aren't the easiest to love. Now, that's none of you all. Uh, you know, I love you all, and you guys make it easy to love you, but how many of you have to deal with somebody occasionally that it, it's a challenge to love them, all right? So if we're going to uh, walk in that, if we're going to obey what Jesus said, then we're going to have to know that we're equipped with some things to help us be able to love people. Now, the one thing I love about the Lord is he will never require something of you he does not equip you to do. 
He, you know, he's so good like that, that he'll say, okay, this is what I want you to do. And to help you do it, I'm going to give you what you need to do it. All right. So let's look at this and write this down. If you're taking notes in the old Testament, God gave the 10 commandments to Moses on tablets of stone written by the finger of God. Now, if you remember when Moses was 40 days and nights up on Mount Sinai and he received the, the stone tablets that had the Ten Commandments on them, the scripture says that God himself with his finger wrote on those stone tablets. And you remember Moses uh, took them down and, and uh, presented them to the people. And of course, they had gotten involved in some idol worship. And so Moses, in his anger, broke those stone tablets and uh, later on, he had to go back up on top of Mount Sinai and God wrote another set of stone tablets with his finger. But here's the thing that I want you to see is God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses on tablets written with his finger. All right. So look at Exodus chapter 31 and verse 18. It says that when he had made an end of speaking with him, so when God made an end of speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two stone or two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So say this after me. Say the Ten Commandments were written by God with his finger. Okay, somebody says, well, why is this a big deal? It's really important. All right. So if you're taking notes, write this down, please. The finger of God is representative of the power of God and the Holy Spirit. So the finger of God is the power of God and or the Holy Spirit. Now, when there are references in the Bible to the power of God, the Holy Spirit is the power of God. Okay. So when we talk about the finger of God, you're making reference to something that the Holy Spirit did and or the power of God did. All right. So how do I know that it's the power of God? Well, let's look at something Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verses 19 and 20. When the religious leaders were giving him a hard time, you remember they used to tell him he would cast out devils by Beelzebub, who was the father of devils and, and so forth. And so Jesus he, he retorted and came back to them one time in Luke chapter 11, and he said this, If I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. Now look at what verse 20 says. But if I cast out demons with what? The finger of God then surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So what Jesus has said, you guys got it all wrong. I don't cast out demons by Beelzebub. I cast demons out by the finger of God or the power of God or the Holy Spirit. All three the same. Okay? Are you tracking with me? Now, I want to show you something. And write this down, please. God promised in the Word, and we're going to look at that promise in just a moment. He promised He would do the same in this new covenant except he would write the commandment on our hearts. Yes. Now, somebody tell me, just say it out loud. How did he write on the 
tablets of stone that he gave to Moses with his finger, okay? And the finger of God is equal to the power of God or the Holy Spirit, all right? Now, let's look at what Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10 says, and, and it, this is a quote from the book of Isaiah, and it says this, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Now look at what he says. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. So here's what the word of God is saying. Now let me ask you a question. Let's just review. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets, he wrote them with the, which is the, or the, okay? Now he says in this new covenant, he doesn't give us his commandment written on tablets of stone. He says, I am going to write them where? In your heart. Now, how did God write them in the Old Testament? With his finger. How does he write them in the New Testament? With his finger. Except he writes them in your heart and not on stone. Okay? So, write this down, please. When we were born again, the Holy Spirit put this commandment and the supernatural ability to walk in it in us. So let me, let me just kind of break this down for you. When you made Jesus the Lord of your life and you were born again, the Holy Spirit moved in on the inside of you. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 4 that whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. So when you confess Jesus as the Lord of your life, God by the Holy Spirit moved in on the inside of you. Now, we know, according to Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, one of the things he did is he deposited a measure of his faith, the God kind of faith, down on the inside of you. All right? So if he deposited that faith in you, and we've studied when we were studying faith in the earlier part of this series, we found out that it is possible for us to have great faith. However, it is up to us if whether we develop that faith, we exercise it, we feed it with the word, and we cause it to grow. But the resource of faith, God's faith, is already down on the inside of you. Every believer, every born-again believer has a measure of the faith of God already down on the inside of them. Now, at the same time that that was happening... Let's look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God. The love of whom? Whose love? Okay, so this is the God kind of love. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. All right, so when we got born again, not only did he deposit a measure of his faith on the inside of us, but he put his love down on the inside of us. Now, what's cool about this is Jesus made this a commandment that we love one another. So what God did with his finger, with the power of God, 
is inscribed in your born-again spirit the ability and made a deposit of that commandment with the love of God already down on the inside of you. Here's what I'm wanting you to see. You already possess the capability to love people. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to, uh, you know, I got to pray and fast for 40 days so I can, no, there's nothing wrong with praying and fasting and all of those types of things. But what I want you to see is just like the ability to have faith is on the inside of you, the ability to walk in love is already on the inside of you. Matter of fact, you have been marked, you have been written on by the finger of God in your heart to love people. Hallelujah. So just the same way that God wrote the Ten Commandments, He has written the One Commandment in your heart. Now, every born-again believer, I, I promise you, if we would be sensitive, uh, sensitive enough to our hearts, uh, you know, I can remember not long after I had given my heart to Christ that I had been saved. Um, I could I could tell that if I had said something sharp to someone, I could tell that was wrong. And I hadn't really had any deep teaching on the love of God, walking in the love of God. Matter of fact, I probably didn't even know it was a commandment at the time, but still... In my spirit, in my heart, I knew that what I had done, what I had, the way I had responded, the words that I had said were wrong. Why? Because that commandment was written on the inside of my heart. I knew there was something in me that the capacity of God and his love was already in me to love people. And so what I'm wanting you to see is as we said last week, we have a potential for great love in us just like we have the potential for great faith in us. Now, there are ways that we can grow that love. One way is walk in it, exercise it, just like you do your faith. You know, purpose in your, your, your heart and your mind, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, to walk and live in forgiveness. You know, we read uh, Mark chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, which follow up, uh, you know, the mountain moving faith verse and then praying the prayer of faith verse. Jesus went on to say, and if you, when you stand praying, if you have all, anything against anyone, forgive. So walking in forgiveness and walking in love go hand in hand. And so these great things work together. Now, let's go over to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. All right? Now, Paul wrote to the Galatian church. Actually, these were several churches that were in the, the area called Galatia, which in modern-day world, it's uh, northwestern Turkey, okay? That was called Galatia at the time, and there were several churches there. So Paul wrote one letter and wanted it circulated among all the churches there in Galatia. And so he said this in chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Say it again. Love. Okay. Is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. 
Now notice in the New King James Version and in the Old King James Version, I didn't really check a lot of the other translations, but notice that the word spirit there in this verse is capitalized when it says the fruit of the spirit. Actually, there's only one Greek word that's translated spirit, and that is the Greek word pneuma. Now, it's translated spirit, even if it's referring to the Holy Spirit or if it's referring to your natural spirit. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 says that we are spirit, soul, and body. And so that's the same Greek word. Now, I want to show you here. Well, let me back up and let me ask you this question. What is the first fruit that will be produced in the life of a born-again believer? Huh? Say it again. Love is the first fruit that will be produced. Okay? Now, let me show you that this verse is not talking about the spirit bearing the fruit, but your spirit bearing the fruit. Now, we bear fruit, of course, by the power and the help of the Holy Spirit. But write this down. Notice love is the first fruit that is produced in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so love is the first fruit. Now, let me show you a couple of verses, just a little side note, that show to us that the fruit of the Spirit is not produced by the Holy Spirit. It is produced by your Spirit as you walk in tune with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Now, let's, let's go and let's look at John chapter 15 and verse 5. Now, I did not have room to include this on your notes, so if you want to just make a reference to these scriptures, you can. But notice what Jesus said in John chapter 15. He said, I am the vine, you are the what? Branches. So Jesus is the vine, the trunk. We are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, I want to ask you a question. On a tree, a fruit tree, where are or where is the fruit produced? Is it produced on the trunk or is it produced on the branches? On the branches, okay? Now, naturally, it's because the branches receive life and, and water and moisture and all the things that it needs from the trunk but the fruit is actually produced out on the branches. So Jesus again said, I am the vine, you are the branches. So he who bears much fruit. Notice he's not talking about Jesus bearing fruit or the Holy Spirit bearing fruit. He said, you and I are the ones that bear the fruit. So he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do Nothing. Now I want to show you another verse that talks about how the life of Jesus Christ dwells in us. Look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. The first part of that verse says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we can yell and pray in tongues at the top of our voice. Okay. We know that we have passed from death to to life because we have a bunch of bumper stickers on the back of our car. We know that we have passed from death to life because we wear a big gold cross around our neck. No. 
We know we have passed from death to life. Why? Because we love the brethren. We love the brethren. See, there is something that happens on the inside of us when we get born again that the love of God is already present. It's already there for us to be able to love the brethren. All right, so just to recap, God took his finger, wrote in our hearts the commandment of love. Jesus gave us that commandment, and then uh, when we received him and we were born again, the wherewithal for us to be able to walk that commandment out, he put on the inside of us. Turn to somebody and look at them and say, you've got the love of God in you. Okay? Tell them, tell them this, it's not the human kind of love. It's God's love. Okay? So it's very important that we understand that we already have the love of God down on the inside of us. Now again, let me ask you a question, a little pop quiz. Is walking in love a suggestion? It is a what? Commandment. So can I say this to you? As a born-again believer, as a child of God, with Jesus as Lord of my life, I have no choice but to walk in love. If I'm going to walk with Jesus, I'm going to walk in love. It's just, it's just the way it is. Okay, so, so here's what we're, we're, we're out to do, okay? And again, I'm not referring to anybody in our church when, we, when I make statements like this, but I want you to know... Um, Christians don't have to be some of the most sour, meanest people on the planet. Okay? And you, you, we've all been around some. You know, look like they've been sucking lemons all day. You know, just mad. All right? No. A born-again believer that has passed from death to life will love the brethren. Okay? Matter of fact, uh, there's a scripture right after that, verse 15. Let me read it to you. Okay, I didn't put it in your notes or on the slides, but I'll just read it to you real quick. 1 John chapter 3, verse 15. Let me read verse 14 again. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love the brethren, his brother abides in death. Now, I guess more serious. Hold on. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Can I say this to you? Uh, eradicate the word hate from your vocabulary. Okay? Even if it means you hate broccoli. You know, uh, I used to not like broccoli. Somehow or another as an adult, I've gotten to where I like it. But, um, you know, just don't even have the word hate in your vocabulary. Okay, you can dislike something, but you don't have to hate it. Okay? Now, especially where people are concerned. You know, there are, are in our culture, we're, we're given permission that it's okay for people to walk in hate towards people that don't agree with us. Okay? And, and we have forgotten, totally thrown out the window, the art of being able to agree to disagree. 
You know, I can disagree with somebody politically, but I can still fellowship with them. I don't have to hate them. I don't have to slander them. I don't have to call them names. I don't have to do anything. I can just respond in love. And that's the way believers are supposed to live. That's the way we're supposed to walk. So, so I can you, you can just see from 1 John 3.15, get hate out of your life. Examine your heart and, and just make sure. Say, Lord, is there anybody in my heart that I secretly hate? You know, probably, you know, it could be somebody that hurt you. It could be something you experienced in your life. Get that out of your heart because it doesn't belong in the heart of a believer. Matter of fact, you might say, if you're a believer, if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, you might say with your mouth, I hate so-and-so, but really in your heart, you don't. Because why? The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. Okay? All right. I can tell that's just so thrilling to each and every one. Hallelujah. All right? Now, what you need to understand about God is God, in some areas, is reward-based. Okay? Now, what do I mean by that? How many of you grew up in a household where if you did the right thing, you got some kind of reward, a treat, or, you know, uh, maybe a privilege to be able to do something, go somewhere, uh, you know, vice versa, when you messed up and when you disobeyed, you know, you got put on, uh, you know, I'd get put on restriction or, you know, some privilege would be taken away or something along that line, okay? Well, God works on a reward-based system, okay? So what he does is he says, I want you to do this. And if you will do this, then I will do this for you. Okay, are you listening to me? So God says, I want you to, here's some instructions I have for you. If you will do this, then if you obey and do this, then I will give you this, or I will be this, or I will do this for you. Okay? All right, so let me show you some scriptures because I want you to see, and this is just one blessing of being obedient to this commandment. Now, there's other blessings. Let me tell you something, and I'm going to talk about this next week as we begin to wrap this series up, but I'm going to get real practical next week and tell you how to walk in love. I'm going to tell you, if you're married in here this morning, or if you're married and going to be here next week, I'm telling you, I'm going to give you some things that are going to make your marriage a marriage under heaven. Well, thank you for those three single people that said hallelujah. Okay. All right. No, I, I, I can tell you in such practical, simple terms how to walk in love. So what you need to understand is there are many blessings to obeying the commandment of love. One of them is you can have peace in your household. Can I, uh, let me just say this. Let me, let me just mention this real quick. Your home, your house, your home, well, you know, whether it's a house, apartment, whatever, your home 
needs to be a place of peace, refreshing, restoration, recreation, so that you have somewhere to go and escape from the world and go to your home and feel safe and be blessed and be at peace while you're there. No one, especially a Christian, should have to live in a household that is hell on earth. All right? Now, here's the thing. Um, you have a choice on whether that happens or not. Okay? More about that. Stay tuned next week. Praise the Lord. All right, so let's look at one of the blessings of obedience to obeying the commandment of love. So let's go back to the Old Testament and let's look at a scripture in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. So this is God talking to the children of Israel through Moses. And he says this, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. Now, let me kind of jump ahead of myself. We'll cover this in just a second. But anytime you hear the word commandment or statute, I want you to not think about Old Testament 686 laws. I want you to think about one, the commandment of love. That's the only commandment you and I are given. Okay, so if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes, I will put or allow, rather, and I'll explain that in just a second, none of the diseases on you which I have allowed on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, if you are just reading the New King James or the Old King James and maybe another translation, it implies, by the way that it's uh, structured in the English, when he says, I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. It implies that God is the one that brought and puts sickness and disease on people. Well, that is far, I can prove it to you from the scripture, but let me just give you this. In the Hebrew language, there is no difference between a verb in the causative sense or the permissive sense. And so when the English translators were translating the Hebrew language from the Old Testament, they uh, it should have been put in the permissive sense, but they translated it and put it in the causative sense. Okay? Meaning where they translated it in a way that it sounds like God will put sickness and disease on you. Can I tell you this? God has no sickness or disease to put on you. Somebody said that. I've heard somebody say this. Well, he'll just get the devil to do it. God doesn't have to get the devil to do anything. The devil is self-employed and works full-time on his own. Okay? So let, let me just, you know, say this to you. All right? That what this verse should say, based on, this is from Hebrew scholars. There are tons of resources that will verify what I'm telling you is that in this translation, in the King James Bible, when it was translated, 
These verbs should have been in the permissive, permissive sense, not the causative sense. Now, there is a vast difference between permission and commission. Okay? All right, I'll explain that in just a second. Now, just, you know, just a little side note. Acts chapter 10. By the way, do you believe Jesus fulfilled the will of God 100% of the time? That he didn't mess up just a little, slightest little bit? Okay. Well, the scripture says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So if God was putting sickness on people, then Jesus missed it and got out of the will of God because he went about healing people and it says that who were oppressed of the devil. Alright? So, long story short is that, that this should be in the permissive sense. So again, this verse should say if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes, I will permit none of the diseases on you, which I have permitted on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now let me give you a natural illustration that maybe will help you understand. You know, precious little Aubrey back there. How old is she now? Three, four? Two. Two? Okay, she acts like she's ten. Going on 31. Alright. But anyway, let's say Erica's in the kitchen and little Aubrey comes in and Erica's cooking on the stove. And Erica has something going in a hot skillet on the stove. And uh, so Erica turns to Aubrey and says, Aubrey, honey, whatever you do, don't touch that skillet. It's hot. It will burn you. Okay? And so Erica, while that's cooking, Erica starts doing something else and, 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 and she no longer gets her back turned and all of a sudden she hears Aubrey screaming at the top of her lungs. And she turns around and Aubrey has touched the skillet. Okay? Now, did Erica permit Aubrey to touch the skillet? Yes, she did. Because Aubrey has a free will. Okay? And however, Erica didn't take that little girl's hand, put it on that hot skillet, and say, Psst, you know, burn her hand. Oh, I told you, see, it's hot. No, it's People get put in jail for that kind of stuff. But yet we do God that way. We blame God and say, well, you know, God put that on them. Although he told them not to touch it, he still put it on them. No. See, what happens is we have a free will. You and I can make decisions. And when you and I make decisions that violate what God has told us, there are consequences. Does God cause the consequences? No, but he has to permit them because you chose it. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Now, all that, I just said all that to just clarify so that nobody leaves here today thinking that God put sickness and disease on the children of Israel when they obeyed him. All right. Are we clear? Everybody clear? All right. Let's look at another scripture. Uh, now, Again, let me reread 1526. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, do what's right in his sight, give ear to his commandment, one commandment for us, and keep all his statutes, one statute for us, I will 
allow or, or will not allow none of the diseases on you which I permit, uh, permitted on the Egyptians. Okay? Hold that thought. Let's go to Exodus 23, verses 25 through 26. Okay, Exodus 23, verses 25 and 26. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. By the way, he wasn't just saying that's all they're going to have to eat is bread and water. So he'll bless your steak, your baked potato, whatever. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. So God says this, if you will serve him, he'll bless your bread and water. He'll take sickness away from the midst of you and the number of your days you will fulfill. All right. Now let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 11 and 12. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment. Remember, how many commandments do we have? How many? One. One. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment, the statutes and the judgments, which I command you today to observe them. Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep you with the covenant and the mercy that he swore to your father. So all of what he's getting ready to say is conditional on whether we keep the commandment. Now again, how many do we have? One. one. It is to love one another as Christ has loved us. Okay? Now, look at verse 15 of that same chapter. And so if you meet the condition found in 11 and 12, this is the result. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases which you have known, but will lay them or allow them on all those who hate you. Okay? So if you obey the commandment and keep it, then the Lord will take away from you all sickness. We read here uh, in this previous verse that he will fulfill the number of your days. Okay? All right? Now, I want to ask you a question, and, and I'm going to make this in the form of a statement, all right? And, and if you're taking notes, write this down. It was possible in the Old Testament, or for the Old Testament believers, to live out their days without sickness and disease and fulfill their days if they obeyed the commandments. Is that true or false? True. Okay. So you will agree with me that under the Old Testament, the children of Israel, if they obeyed God and walked in the commandment, that it was possible for them to live out their days without sickness or disease and to fulfill the number of their days. You agree with me? Okay. Everybody agree with me. Everybody sees that. Okay, now let me go to Romans chapter 13 and verses 8 through 10. Now let's review real quick. How many commandments do we have? What does it say? To love one another as Jesus has loved us. All right, so we have one commandment. Do you already possess the capacity to love people? 
by the finger of God writing that on your heart by the Holy Ghost. Okay? Now, look at Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. The scripture begins with, Oh, no man, anything except to love one another. Now, what this is really saying to us is this. You and I, although we have our debts with God forgiven, we don't owe God anything because Jesus paid the price. But you might not owe man anything, money, okay? Let's say you're out of debt, all right, financially, but you still owe mankind something. What do you owe them? To love one another. That's what this verse says. Owe no one anything except to love one another. So um, I'm going to help you with something. That person that gets on your last nerve, you owe them a debt. You know what that debt is? To love them. That person that pulls out in front of you in traffic, you owe them. What do you owe them? To love them. Okay? I'm so glad I didn't write the Bible. So y'all can't leave here and say, you know, Pastor wrote and Pastor said, no, the Word of God said. So owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has, has what? Fulfilled the law. He who loves another has fulfilled the law. He who loves another has fulfilled the law. All right? For the commandments... You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, here's what these verses are saying. When you make the decision to obey the commandment that Jesus has given us and you love people out of that obedience, what, what, what the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul is telling us is it is equivalent to you fulfilling all of the Old Testament law. It's equal. God sees it as being the same. Did you get that? Okay. So all 680, whatever there are, commandments in the Old Testament, when you decide to obey the one and walk in love, God sees it as though you have obeyed all of those Old Testament commandments and you are walking in obedience to him. The scripture goes on to say in Galatians chapter 5, and verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Now, let's, let's just re re review for just a second. I'm building something here, and I'm wanting you to get this. According to the old covenant, God gave them a series of commandments. If they would obey those commandments, then it was possible for them to live without sickness and disease. And there's other blessings. You know, there was 
God said, if you will obey me, he said, I will, uh, you know, my paraphrasation, he said, I will pour blessing materially into your life. So anyway, if you are walking in the Old Testament commandments, then it is possible for you to live free from sickness and disease and to fulfill all of your days and not die prematurely. Okay? Now, in the New Testament, Paul just got through telling you that if you obey the one commandment, which is the commandment of love, that God sees it as equivalent to obeying all of the Old Testament commandments. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Now, what this says is, write this down, please. This commandment, the commandment of love, fulfills all of the Old Testament commandments meant to, uh, to curb sin. Okay? Now, Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6. Almost, almost done. But now, he has, Jesus has, obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he... Jesus is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. Okay? So, write this down please. We have a better covenant established upon better promises than that which was in the old covenant. Okay, so, you know, if, if, if you know somebody that just bought a new house. And uh, man, they're all excited. Oh, you gotta come see my new house. Really? Tell me about it. Oh, it's so much better than the old house we used to live in. Oh, it's just so much better. The old house had four bedrooms, three baths, was 5,000 square feet, had a three-car garage, had a swimming pool in the back, but this new house is so much better it's a two-bedroom, one-bath, 1,100-square-foot house over in the hood. Okay? What would you think about that? Okay, they, they, they don't understand what better is. Would you think that? All right. To me, if, if, if the first house was good and the second house is better, then it's going to outdo the first house, right? Okay. So you and I, according to what Paul wrote in Hebrews 8, 6, that we have a better covenant established upon better promises. So God made all those promises to the Old Testament believers, the, the children of Israel. If you obey me, I'll bless your bread and water. I'll remove sickness and disease from your midst. I'll I'll improve your life. I'll bless you material. I'll do all those things for you. Okay? So, let me ask you a question. Would God bless the children of Israel more than us if we obey the commandment that Jesus gave us? In other words, he's telling the church, you're under a better covenant, but if you obey me, I'm still going to allow sickness and disease in your life. I'm going to, you know, you mess up the slightest bit. I, I, you know, there's going to be things that come, bad stuff's going to come to pass, and you're not, you're going to die prematurely. How is that a better covenant? 
It's not, is it? Hello? Okay. All right. So then, let me ask you a question. It is, I'm going to ask this question in the form of a statement again. It is possible if we obey the commandment for us to live our days without sickness and disease and have our days fulfilled and just go home to be with the Lord when our days are done. Okay? So what I'm doing is I'm giving you some new ammunition. I don't know that you've ever thought about this. You know, maybe you didn't know. And that's okay because I'm telling you now. When sickness tries to attack your life, not only do we have the scriptures that say Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, where it was written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Or 1 Peter 2.24 that says, Who in his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, and by whose stripes ye were healed. Not only do we have wonderful scriptures like this, but you can stand up in the face of sickness and disease and say, uh-uh, no, wait. I'm obeying the new commandment. I am walking in love. Therefore, Satan, take your hands off of my body in the name of Jesus because I'm under a better covenant than they were under the Old Testament. Write this down, please. If you walk in love, you have fulfilled the commandment, and the blessing of obedience is yours. See, we got to get it out of our heads that somehow or another, the children of Israel, God's people under the old covenant had it so much better than we do under the church. No, we have it so much better than they did. Not by anything we've done, but because of what Jesus did. Am I helping anybody? Okay, so how do you how do you walk it? You have to receive it by faith. It's not automatic. Just like nothing with God is automatic. Salvation is not automatic. You have to receive it. So you have to receive this blessing. When you make the decision, God, I am going to obey this commandment. I am going to walk in love and do what you told me to do. Therefore, I receive the blessing that you have promised upon my life because of obeying you. Now, granted, you're not earning that blessing by obeying God. You're facilitating it by obedience. Okay? Now, what if you know all this that we've talked about today and you're, you're living life and you fall out with someone? Has that ever happened to anybody? Some of y'all ain't telling the truth. Some of y'all sitting here, mm -mm. I've never fallen out with anybody since I gave my heart to Jesus. Uh, listen, I, I have gotten angry at people. I have been tempted to fall out with people. I'm talking about, not this week, but I'm talking about recently. Okay? So what happens if you do? What happens if you do fall out with someone? Let's say what happens you, if you do respond to somebody outside of love, out of anger, and you speak harsh words to them and all of that, and you have gotten out of love, then know this. Every step out of love is sin. If this happens, 
repent and run back over to love. That's a beautiful thing about this. You know, with people, we going back to what we taught two or three weeks ago about forgiveness. You know, it's absolutely awesome that we have the privilege that if we mess up, of course, we can go to God anytime we want to. But you can also go to the person that you offended and say, please forgive me. Now, whether they do or not, that's up to them. But if you act in love and you move in love towards them, then you have run back under and you're back under that love thing. And you're letting the love of God cover your life and protect you and keep you. So I am wanting you to see that there is a blessing. It, 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 just one blessing. There's more than one, but the one healing belongs to the person that obeys the commandment. I'm going to say this to you. Prosperity belongs to the one who obeys the commandment. Hallelujah. Are you glad for that? Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.